0: Well, turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 23, Luke chapter 23, in all the years that I've been doing Good Friday services, I've never, and I don't know why, maybe I was brain dead, never did the seven last sayings of Jesus from the cross. So that's what we're going to look at uh, this afternoon. Oftentimes the most, the last words a person says are very important. And because they say something about the nature and the character of the person, but it also says something about uh, what they were focusing on at that time. Uh, Perhaps I looked up on the Internet and I came across some last sayings of famous people. Perhaps the most famous is uh, Julius Caesar. Remember the last words that he said, et tu brute, et tu brute, as As his best friend, Brutus, was stabbing him, he said, et tu, Brute. Now, there's some question, uh, some thinking about, well, what did Brutus say to Julius Caesar as he was stabbing him that caused Caesar to say, et tu, Brute? And there's lots of things, but one of them was, uh, as he, uh, Julius Caesar said, et tu, Brute, Uh, Brutus had asked him, "Uh, how many eggs did you have for breakfast? Too Brute. Eh? That's terrible. That's terrible. Lou Costello was, uh, now these are from the internet. Some people said, well, these are not, these are not valid. Lou Costello said, that was the best ice cream soda I ever tasted. Uh, Bing Crosby said, uh, that was a great game of golf, fellas. <laughs> P.T. Barnum said, How were the receipts at Madison Square Garden today? And all of those are kind of cute. But they reflect where the person was. What their focus was in their life. On a more serious note, Jesus, in his seven last words, shows us what he, who he was, and what was his goal. Where was he going that day? So I want to look at it. First one, now I, I've kind of placed these in order. We've got to jump around three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Matthew, uh, Luke and John. Um, I think I've put them in the right order, but if you have disagreements with me, we can argue about it after the service. Uh, but this is pretty close. Luke 23:34 is the first one. let me read it. But Jesus was saying, "Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing." here in um, this first um, statement from the cross, Jesus' focus we see that Jesus' focus was on forgiveness forgiveness now you have to remember this was right after they nailed him to the cross they nailed him to the cross, put him upright and he says not just speaking to those who had actually done the deed but who were responsible for um or took part in this event. And so he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. His focus, Jesus' focus was on forgiveness. See, he's not all caught up in anger and retribution, getting even. That was not what he was focusing on. His his focus that day was on the forgiveness that he was going to bring. Now, whenever we see... uh, A documentary this time of the year, usually on the History Channel, the focus is always now who was responsible for the death of Jesus. You know, we see that over and over again, rehashing uh, how was this, was that, was it, was it the the centurions, was it Julius, was it uh, Pontius Pilate, was it uh, the Jewish leadership? Who was responsible? See, that's what we always focus on: where, what. Placing the blame. <laughs> Who are we going to place the blame on? But that's not what Jesus was doing at all. He was focusing on forgiveness. bringing forgiveness to us. Now, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Who for the joy set before him, talking about Jesus, endured the cross. Now, what was the joy set before him? Well, some would say... Uh, Well, first of all, primarily, he knew that in just a short while, he was going to be with the Father again, in the presence of the Father. So that was was something to look forward to. But I think more important, the joy that was set before him was you. (laughs) The billions of people who would find forgiveness of their sins, who would find themselves in the kingdom because of the act of what he was doing that day. You see, his focus, his whole heart, was on forgiveness. Look down with me uh, to verse 43. Our second statement. Let me read it. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Paradise. Here we see that Jesus' focus was on faith. Now you have to understand the context of the statement. You remember? two criminals were crucified with him Uh, one was kinda berating him and the other one said well you know why are you doing this Uh, we deserve what we are gonna get but this man has done nothing wrong and then he turns to jesus and says what jesus remember me when you come into your kingdom what was he saying he says i believe in you i'm trusting in you as the messiah and jesus says This day, you'll be with me. You'll be with me. Jesus' focus was on faith. Jesus responds to this man's faith in proclaiming that he is the Messiah. And all that that means. Now, we just saw in verse 34 that Jesus prayed, forgive them. Right? Forgive them. But that's not automatic. It's not carte blanche. Because he didn't say to both of the criminals on the cross, did he? No, no, he only said you. The one who expressed faith in me. See, we must put our faith in the Messiah. And that opens the door to forgiveness. Faith is the key from which we find forgiveness. Now, it's not willing, God is not willing that any should perish. He, he he died for the sins of all the world, but the key to that forgiveness is found in faith in the Messiah. And what he stands for and what he did. This is one of my favorite Bible verses. Why is that? Because this man didn't have to go through classes. He was never baptized. Uh, he died just a few. Hours from this statement, no time for religiosity, he did nothing except what? Put his faith in Jesus. And he said, Jesus says, you'll be with me. You'll be with me. You see, faith is not really complicated. It's not very complicated at all. It's very simple. Just believing that Jesus is the Messiah. And all that that means, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, in believing in the Messiah, and Jesus says to us, you'll be with me. You see, Jesus' focus was not only on forgiveness, but also on what? On faith. Putting your faith in Him. Third statement we find is in John 19. Turn there. John 19. See those pages of the Bible turning? John 19, verses 26 and 27. When Jesus, therefore, saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, that would be John, standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, that was John, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her, Into his own household. Third focus for Jesus was on his family. Was on his family. Right in the middle of everything, all the spiritual stuff that was going on, he took time to make sure his mother was taken care of. Why is that? He was the oldest son. That was his responsibility. Most likely, uh, Mary was a widow at this time. And so he says to John, John, take care of my mother. Mary, this is the guy who's going to take you in. He's going to watch over you. He's going to stand with you. Jesus, in the midst of everything that he was doing, recognized his responsibility to take care of his family. His focus was on his family. Especially his mom. Now someone said... Uh, for a bride-to-be. If you want to know how your husband is going to treat you, watch how he treats his mother. Because the way he treats his mother is the way he's going to treat you. Uh, there's a lot of truth to that. It's not absolute. It's not scripture. But Jesus, uh, Jesus who focused on his family. Now, in the scriptures, uh, 1 Timothy five eight tells us what? he does not provide for his own family, is what? Worse than an infidel, worse than an unbeliever. Now, we would expect Jesus to take care of his family. Why? Because he was a spiritual man. He understood that this was a responsibility that he needed to take care of. And so in the midst of all that he was going through, he made sure his responsibilities towards his family were taken care of. Because spiritual people, people who understand and love God, understand that responsibility. Jesus' focus was on his family. Next, look at um, Matthew chapter 27. Matthew 27, verse 46. 27... Verse 46, here we go. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We see in these verses that Jesus' focus was on his mission. On his mission. Now this was a literal quote from Psalm 22, which was a prophecy written hundreds of years ago. Concerning the ministry and what was going to happen to the Messiah. Jesus is calling attention to this is what's happening, guys. Look at Psalm 22. But there was more. You see, Jesus at this time was a sin offering. Paul says that he was what? He was made sin for us. He was taking the full brunt the full brunt of God's judgment upon himself. And judiciously at that moment as as much as we can understand it the father turned from his son judiciously and he experienced this incredible moment where he became sin and received the full brunt So that God's justice was satisfied, fully satisfied, so that he could welcome all, whosoever will, into the kingdom. Now, John the Baptist knew that. When he saw Jesus, what did he say? Behold, the Lamb of God, the sacrifice of God, the Lamb of God, who does what? Takes away the sin of the world. He took the full brunt upon himself. and that was his mission. That's what he came for. Now he came to preach the gospel. He came to sick and, to heal the sick and, and deliver those who were struggling with spiritual issues. But his mission was what? Uh, delivering us from sin, paying the penalty for sin. So his focus was on his mission back to John 19 again John 19 verse 28 John 19:28 After this Jesus knowing that all things had already been accomplished in order that the scripture might be fulfilled said I am thirsty. Here we see from these words that Jesus' focus was on suffering. Was on suffering. Now note the whole statement. When everything has been accomplished. When everything. That, that's very important. Very important. Because up till that time, Jesus was not concerned, or didn't at least, offer any comment about The immense suffering that he was going through. Here and only here, Jesus says a little bit about what he was going through when he says, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. His feelings were not a priority. But he was experiencing immense amount of suffering. Now, God's judgment... Is not a pleasant thing. It's not a joy to behold or to experience. As a matter of fact, if you check the New Testament, it talks about the phrase uh, "pain and gnashing of teeth." Uh, What does that mean? Gnashing means. uh, Do you ever maybe uh, hitting 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 one of your fingers with a hammer right on? Do you ever do that? It's like oh that 's gnashing of teeth, and maybe there were some words that were said <laughs> that 's gnashing of teeth that 's what that 's what the judgment of God is like. It is not something that you want to experience, and Jesus was taking it all that day i uh, I feel sorry for those people who say that well. I, I'm not going to mind going to hell because I'm going to party with all my friends. Nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further from the truth. There will be no parties in hell. There'll be pain and gnashing of teeth because they're experiencing the judgment of God. And they didn't have to. They didn't have to. Remember what I said? He took it all upon himself. But unless you're in Christ, you will receive the judgment of God. Well, do you remember the story of Noah and his ark? Everybody could have come. Noah was a preacher of righteousness, the Bible tells us. The doors were open until it just began to rain, and then God closed the door, and the only people who experienced the salvation of God were who? Those who were in the boat. Everybody else. There was a provision, the provision was made, but you had to be in the boat. (laughs) Or it was a lot of swimming. And that's the same with that. Unless you're in Christ. Unless you're in Christ. 1 John 5, 11 and 12 says, And the witness is this, that God has given us eternal life. He's given us all eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have eternal life. And the judgment of God is upon that person. Let's look at Luke twenty-three forty-six. Luke 23, 46 again. Back to Luke. Luke 23, 46. Says, And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Jesus' focus that day was on trusting God. This statement was expressive of his whole life. His whole life. This wasn't just said this day. This wasn't the first time he expressed this or thought this. The reason he's on the cross is why? Because he had committed his life to God. He was trusting in God. Remember a few hours before in the garden, he said, Hey, listen, I, I could pass on this. I could take a pass on this, God, if there's any other way. But nevertheless, your will. So in every event, as he marched through his life, he entrusted his life to the Father. And at the last moment, one of the last things he said was, Into, my, into your hands I commend my spirit. Because he was trusting in God. What happened to him that day was unjust and unfair. And he didn't deserve what he was getting. But even then, how hard it is when, when we're going through something that's unjust and unfair and we don't deserve it. How hard it is for us to say those words with Jesus, but that's exactly what he did. He so said, I'm trusting you, God, with this. I'm trusting you with this fully trusting in God. Okay, last one. Um, John 19. John 19, verse 30. When Jesus, therefore, had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. Here we see that Jesus' focus was on redemption. I don't think Jesus was talking about his life, although that was true. His life here on earth was finished. I think he was talking about redemption. It's finished. It's done. It's completed. The redemption, that which he had come to do, was done. He had done the work that the Father had asked him to do. And now he's saying, It's done. It's finished. I've made the door open. The door is open now. For whosoever will come, can come. I've paid the penalty, I've taken the brunt. Redemption is now fully available to my creation. It's finished. Okay, we see Jesus was focused on, on on forgiveness on faith, on family, on his mission, suffering, trusting in God, and finally redemption. That was the heart of the Savior that day that 's what he did for you and for me. Now, I came across um, one other saying there were several others, but one was uh, particularly poignant um, And it was from the actress Joan Crawford, who was known to be a very difficult lady. And as she was dying, her housemaid, who was obviously a Christian, began to pray for her. And this were Joan Crawford's uh, dying words. She said, excuse the language, Damn it, don't you dare ask God to help me. Don't you dare ask God to help me. My heavens. But you know what? That's exactly what Jesus was doing on Good Friday. He was helping us, He was helping us find forgiveness of our sins, He was helping us become sons and daughters of the King. He was helping us into his kingdom. He was helping us find victory over sin and he was helping us to find forgiveness of our sins. Now Hebrews 2.3 says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Remember that verse? How shall we escape? <laughs> We're not <laughs> if we neglect it. One other scripture I want to read, it's in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, which talks about uh, Jesus's experience on the cross. Uh, verse 3 says, for consider him, and that's what we've been doing, for consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself. That's exactly what we've been told. Consider Jesus who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. You could say, is it, so you may not grow weary and get depressed. Now, life life is filled with things that depress us, isn't it? And maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here today and uh, life has got you. It's just got you. Well, two ways. Perhaps you've never opened your life to the Savior. Perhaps you've been invited here and you've never opened your life to the Savior. Can I say, consider him? Consider him. Think about him. Consider him and what he's done for you. And he can open up a brand new door for you. He did it all for you. But you can choose, can't you? Uh, our dear Joan Crawford uh, doesn't sound like she chose. She chose poorly. Poorly. But you can choose rightly. You can choose rightly. Now God's not going to kick down your door. God's not going to bend your arm. He's a very loving and gracious God. But He enables people like me just to present to you the truth of the gospel. And now it's in your court. You can choose. I pray that you choose rightly rightly nobody's going to force you but he has something wonderful for you now secondly Christians Christians uh, Jesus did all of that for you now maybe you're in the midst of a big heavy trial and all things are going you know blowing up in your face and that's possible around with a group like this very possible things are not going very well for you Christian today can I say to you consider him (laughs) Consider his Friday. Consider his Friday and what he went through. Maybe you won't be so self-centered. Maybe you won't be so down, bummed out, losing heart, depressed. Because the end result, dear Christian, is one day... Like He said to the thief on the cross, as you have faith in the Messiah, today you will be with Me. And I couldn't think of a better place to be. Amen? Amen. Consider Him. Consider Him this Friday and what He did for you. Let's pray. Father, we... uh, We want to consider you. We've looked at what you did for us, the fullness of that which you brought to us that wonderful day. I pray that our hearts might be opened to what your word is saying to us this, this afternoon, this evening. As the sun is setting, 2,000 years ago approximately, you were dying right about this time. Just... Real close. We want to consider you. And not just think about you in our minds, but open our hearts to your love. You don't want to harm us. You want to help us. Help us not be like others who have said, don't you dare ask God to help me. God, we need your help. We love you. We're thankful in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to receive the Lord's table. If I could have the worship team and Pastor Rob's going to help us with uh, the Lord's table this
1: afternoon. We call this um, Good Friday. And as Christians, this is a memorial of the death of Christ on the cross. Memorial means to remember. And this is what Jesus asked us to do. When we come to the Lord's table, it's a time to remember his body that was given for us and the blood that was shared on our behalf. And for us as believers, it is good news, is it not? That's why we're here today, really to celebrate our freedom in Christ, our freedom from sin. But what about those that were there that day on that Friday? Those that stood at the cross of Christ as they looked up. I'd like to read for you John 19 where Pastor Neil was sharing from three of his points. But I'll read that section right there. Chapter 19, verse 25 through 30 says, But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus then saw his mother, the disciple whom he loved, standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And he said to his disciple, Behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill the scripture, he said, I am thirsty. And a jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of sour wine upon a branch of hyssop, And they brought it to his mouth. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Jesus' mother Mary was standing at the cross. And as she looked up, she saw her son being crucified and she saw him take his last breath. Her heart was broken. And I am sure that Mary remembered when she took her little baby Eight days old into the temple. And Simeon said to her these words. He says, and a sword will pierce even your own soul. This was that sword piercing her soul. Those words were fulfilled as she looked at her son on the cross. This was her worst day. It was not a good day. What about Mary Magdalene? Mary Magdalene loved Jesus. He literally saved her from hell on earth. He released her from seven demons. And she worshipped him as her Lord and her Savior. And as she looked upon him, he died. This was absolutely her darkest day. What about John? John was known as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He was his friend, his leader, his confidant he was supposed to rule and reign in Israel with Jesus and now that was done this was john's blackest day and our lord jesus on the cross has had perfect fellowship with his father from eternity until that moment as pastor neil had said on that cross he took the full brunt of judgment literally all the wrath that we deserve was poured out upon Christ and there was a break of fellowship if you will within the godhead it's a mystery but judgment was laid upon him it was his darkest hour but for us as we come to this table we can say sunday's coming sunday's a coming And Jesus, when he said the joy was set before him, I think part of that that Pastor Nils shared was also Sunday, the resurrection. This proves that he was truly God, that our sins have been atoned for, that we have life in Christ and it's new. This is a time of celebration, the seriousness of the cross, but now a time to look forward to Sunday and we can say, thank you, Lord. They have the ushers come forward.